So I, I hiked the, I did the room to room hike um, at the Grand Canyon and I hiked it with my sister. You know, my sister is not the adventurous type and uh, this was actually her first backpacking trip. Um, and she came with me <laughs> out of the kindness of our heart. I could see how she transformed during the hike as she saw more people who looked like her and she had the ability to interact with them. So we were, you know, camped at the Phantom Ranch area and as we were sort of like hiking out of there, we met an Indian mother and daughter and, you know, I am of Indian descent and, you know, my sister really just kind of like bonded with these two and in fact like started hiking with them and I was like hiking by myself for a while. But I think just the, just that interaction made her feel more confident and I think made her feel more that she belonged in that space too. Grand Canyon, where hidden forces shape our ideas, beliefs, and experiences. And experiences. Join us as we uncover the stories between the canyon's colorful walls. Probe the depths and add your voice. Add your voice for what happens, what happens next. next at Grand Canyon. At Grand Canyon. Welcome. Okay. This is Jessica. This is Emily. And this is and this. this is behind the scenery. Hey, this is Jesse. On this episode, we're featuring an interview Ranger Jeff Caton recorded with Nalini Ravandranath. Nalini is the author of the blog Hiking Misadventures. She's a great writer and a great storyteller. Enjoy. All right. Well, let's just get started with the first question. Um, when we had our, our preliminary conversation a couple weeks ago, um, you talked about how you went from kind of an urban person in, in Washington, D.C. to hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. Would you tell us about that experience? Yeah. Um, so that is true. I um, grew up in, in D.C. I didn't really do any hiking or sort of like, you know, typically what's considered outdoors, um, any of those types of activity. And I had, a, you know, some, like, things that were big life changes that were happening. Uh, and I had, you know, heard about the Appalachian Trail, and I'd seen a couple of movies and decided, you know, that I was going to take it on. <laughs> this was the year that I was going to do it. So I set out on the Appalachian Trail without any backpacking experience and very little hiking experience. And, you know, the the process of getting ready for that was really <laughs> interesting. Um, I, you know, I am somebody who has to do a ton of research before I take on something, particularly if it's something that I'm not familiar with. So this was um, a huge sort of like something really out of character for me. But to me, it was also a really courageous, life-changing decision. So, you know, like my friends drove me down to Georgia and I started. <laughs> you know, the, the first first couple of days were a little hard. They were really, really cold. You know, like I didn't, I didn't know how to set up my tent. I didn't know how to make my stove work. <laughs> so, you know, like the first couple of days, it was sort of like, you know, kind of like watching, making sure that this is really what I wanted to do. But I met such an incredibly wonderful group of 
people, um, and everybody is so willing to help you. And a couple of people that I met on the trail helped me set up my tent probably about three or four days in, and then I knew how to set up my tent, and then I knew how to, you know, work my stove. Um, So it was step by step. I learned how to do things, you know, while I was on the trail. Uh, And that was really a really, like, freeing experience. It kind of got me out of my fear because I think a lot of, the reason why I hadn't engaged in any outdoor activity was really fear. Um, my family didn't necessarily do it, and I didn't really know what it was about. And so I'm really glad I had the opportunity to kind of experience the trail in the way that I did. And, of course, I just, you know, learned so much about myself and got to see some amazing, amazing parts of the country that I, you know, had never thought to even visit. You know, at the end of at the end of it, I was really proud of myself. Um, and I think, you know, my parents, who are kind of very traditional in what they think about as success, I think it also kind of helps them pull them out of that traditional mode. The day after I had um, summited Katahdin and I came back into town, I called my dad and said, you know, I summited, and he was just, you know, so incredibly happy, and yeah, he said, you know, I am just so proud of you. Um, This is not something I would have thought about doing. I didn't even understand it in the beginning, um, but I'm really glad um, that you kind of, you know, brought me along this journey and helped me learn about this trail as well, so that was a really, really awesome moment. Um, how long did it take you to, to, to do the trail? Were you, were you slowed down at all by your, by your, by the learning curve or did you just, you know, you did it in pretty standard time and didn't let any of that slow you down? Yeah, I think I did it in pretty standard time. Um, it took me six months, you know, like in the beginning, when I was planning it in the beginning, I had always, uh, intended to go slow because I had read enough stuff online that like, you know, if I try to do too much, I'll probably injure myself or, you know, something like that. And, and that was, like, at the forefront of my head of being, like, don't do anything, you know, too crazy, not crazier than what I was doing. And I was pretty – I was actually ahead of schedule until towards the end when I entered into New Hampshire. Um, I had developed plantar fasciitis on both feet. Um, and tendonitis on both of my knees. So just, you know, the act of walking was starting to become painful. Um, So I really kind of had to rethink how I was going to finish the hike, which meant, you know, I had to take a lot more breaks um, and then also, you know, sometimes do certain hikes as day hikes. That, you know, that slowed me down a little bit. But overall, I still stayed on schedule because I kind of like, you know, I had breathed through certain parts um, of the of the trail, so um, so I finished September seventeenth. Started on March fifteenth and finished on September seventeenth. Wow, that is so cool! You finished up that trail with with two banged up knees and two banged up feet, and it, and you still finished <laughs> on time. <laughs> I did. I mean, you know, it's like. I sort of, you know, felt like I was, like, crawling into New Hampshire, right? And it was just like, man, like, what choice do I have? Am I really going to go home when I have two more states left? Um, and, 
it was like, nope, I'm going to figure this out, <laughs> which, you know, like I, I think is kind of illustrative of my entire, you know, hiking experience, hiking life is that, you know, things don't always go according to plan. Um, and then I just kind of, you know, have like my confidence gets shaken, but then I kind of often have to sit down and kind of have a talk with myself and be like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to walk off the trail or are you going to figure it out? And usually the answer is I'm going to figure it out and I figure it out. So when we talked before, you mentioned that, you know, naming your blog, there's a story there because you just talked about how some things don't go as, as planned. Um, tell us how you, how you named your blog. Yeah, so my blog is called Hiking Misadventures, and the story really starts from my, I guess it was my second day on the trail, but like, you know, first morning of sleeping on the trail and waking up, I had filtered my water um, the night before so I can get an early start, and I was just, you know, I had it all planned, except the thing that I didn't do is close my bike valve. So it was open, and I had set my pack unknowingly on top of the bite valve. So I had, you know, packed everything into the pack, and then I went, I went to lift the, you know, hydration pack to put it in my backpack, and it was pretty empty. <laughs> and I was just like, what happened? And I was just, like, looking around thinking there was a leak, and then I kind of, you know, had to be like, oh, that was a really silly mistake. Um, and then, you know, like, refiltered water, did the whole thing again, put the pack in. And I guess in that sort of, like, panic moment, I had taken my camera out, and I had set it down um, and completely forgot about it, started hiking, and then maybe about a mile in, I realized I forgot my camera. I had to hike the mile back um, and pick it up and... In those, you know, first moments, I was, you know, feeling like, gee, you know, I'm probably not ready to do this. I'm completely inexperienced. I don't know what I was thinking. But I just kept, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. Um, And then after I came home, a lot of people, you know, that I would talk to would constantly say, particularly people in my family and other, you know, um, people of color, would say, I, I don't think I could ever do that. I, I would never know how to, like, you know, figure out something like that or problem solve on the go. And when I decided to start my blog um, after the Appalachian Trail, that was really something that was kind of like, you know, a driving force for me in even starting the blog uh, was to sort of emphasize this idea that you don't have to be an expert to experience the outdoors and yes, there are some basic safety things that you have to think about, but really most of the time there are things that you can just learn how to do. And if you make a mistake, you, uh, you know, correct your mistake and you get to keep going. And that, that fear shouldn't stop you from experiencing all the wonderful things about the outdoors. So I think a lot of us rangers experience those things where some days, you know, the most we get done is, like you said, putting one foot in front of the other, and you don't need to be an expert for a lot of this stuff. You just have to to do it and learn and, and fail sometimes, but continue yeah. after that failure. Yeah. Um, so kind of building on that question, how has your, your hiking experience 
or your time in nature. How has that changed you from when you were, you know, you were starting out there in Washington, D.C., and, and now here you are um, with this with this awesome blog and all these experiences? Um, you know, how have you changed along along that road? Yeah, I mean, oh, man, I would say the outdoors has given me so much confidence and the ability to believe in myself. Like I said, I was always one of these people who had to, like, you know, plan and, you know, really think through something before I did something, and I always kind of played things safe. So I only, you know, like, did things if I knew I could excel at it. So only things that I, you know, had a lot of experience in, um, and I'm very averse to taking risks. Um And that has, you know, like that part of myself has completely transformed. Um, I am willing to experience new things. I don't let fears stop myself from experiencing new things. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years of hiking and, you know, most of the hiking that I do is by myself is that sometimes the fear has to come along with you on the journey, right? Um, And then, like, you know, you kind of go, okay, um, there's some fear there. That's okay. Um, You're coming along with me. And then, you know, that that can also make me, you know, stay alert and smart on the trail too is, you know, like understand what my limitations are. So fear is not necessarily a bad thing. And then just, you know, I think in general – being a more confident person that believes in myself and believes in my ability to to do things, whether it's on the trail or off the trail. So when I actually came back from the Appalachian Trail, I kind of made a made a career change um, from you know like I, I had worked in nonprofit doing research, and then I kind of switched to a different role within nonprofits, which is to be a grant writer. Um, which involves a lot of sort of like, you know, being out front and having sort of like, you know, being like the face of an organization. And I I don't think I could imagine doing something like that before my outdoor experience. You mentioned your, how your risk tolerance has changed and how you had, you know, those fears, but you, you dealt with them, you, you let them ride along on your on your car trips and in your backpack when you were hiking. Mm-hmm. What were some of those fears starting out and then how have those fears changed or have they changed? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of those fears have changed. I think, you know, one of the things that I would say is that I am not a natural athlete. You know, athletic endeavors never came easily. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times when you think about what the outdoors is or what people are able to do in the outdoors. I think there's a very kind of like specific body type that we, you know, have in mind. And I don't have that body type. I am a pretty tiny person, um, really, really short. So I think a lot of the fears in the beginning, and they continue to be, are just really doubting what my body can accomplish. So if I'm setting off on, you know, a backpacking trip, I have all these doubts about whether I can carry the pack, whether, you know, like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm a little accident prone, whether I'm going to do something to myself and really injure myself and then, you know, 
find myself not being able to, you know, get the help that I need. And then I think there are also just kind of fears around, you know, a lot of the places that I travel to are fairly rural, and often I hike alone. And, you know, there are safety concerns that I think, you know, like, have never, ever materialized. But I think, you know, those are things that just kind of, like, you know, live with me or, like, you know, that I carry with me. But then once I'm on the trail, uh, you know, those things either sort of, you know, ride along with me or they kind of, you know, dissipate to be like, oh, you know, like, this is fine. And, you know, the part about my, you know, doubts about my body or fears that my body will not be able to accomplish something, that is something that just, you know, constantly I carry. Um, And then, you know, I will get to the top of a mountain and just kind of look back and go, huh. Uh, my body did that. <laughs> Congratulations to myself, right? Like having appreciation, you know, for like being able to do this physically. Um, so we, we we talked about the, the fears that you have, and I think that's a pretty common thing for all of us hikers to have, whether you're a ranger or, you know, that first-time visitor to a national park. The fears are different, but they're, they're always there. Um, yeah. What has been challenging about visiting um, national parks in the outdoors and more specifically you know have you perceived any any barriers to being in these places yeah i mean you know i will i will start off by saying you know i think where i am now um sort of you know financially in terms of job wise um i'm in an incredibly privileged place right like i have the financial resources um, and a really um, flexible work environment where they let me take off weeks at a time to go, you know, do my little adventures. So I would say, you know, first of all, those two things can be an incredible barrier, right, given sort of like, you know, how far away some of these beautiful, amazing places are. Um, And so I think, you know, just Physical access um, can be a barrier for a lot of people, I think particularly people of color, especially if you're coming from, uh, you know, pretty um, urban environment where I think, you know, there's a lot of diversity, both in terms of people, but also like diversity in terms of like transportation and things like that. So I think those are, you know, some sort of like, you know, if you will, like, you know, material barriers, right? And then I also think, you know, like, often one of the fears that I have is that it's not going to be a welcoming place, that I am not a super athlete, and so therefore, you know, if I'm on the, if I'm if I'm in a national park and I make a mistake or, you know, like, have some kind of accident, like, people are going to be judging me and not really, you know, accepting me, Um And I think over the years, it's just like, you know, going back and going back has kind of, you know, helped me sort of like temper those fears from the beginning, right? To say, okay, like, you know, I I know this is a fear that I have, but once I'm there, I can create my own space. So I think, you know, like thinking about, I I think more can be done to, uh, to create national parks to be a welcoming space for everyone. But then also, I think, you know, individually, I think, you know, um, having the courage to create your own space um, as you're going through these, you know, incredibly beautiful, wonderful places. But, but 
can sometimes feel really isolating. You mentioned there that when you when you're in these in these big parks, um, and you're you're concerned about you know possibly hurting yourself while you're on the trail and and people judging you, would you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, are you concerned about other visitors or or rangers, the people who would come help you if you did get hurt? So I think I think my fear is always judgment from sort of like everyone, right? Like park <laughs> rangers or who might be like, you know, well, that was an obvious mistake that you shouldn't have made, right? Like your pack is too heavy. Why did you decide to carry a heavy pack like that? Or even like, you know, other visitors as well. You know, I think, you know, we live in a society where there there are, you know, whether intentional or unintentional, you know, racist kind of like reactions, right? Um, and being a very dark-skinned person, you know, in a lot of national parks, particularly in sort of like the back country, there aren't a lot of people who look like me. So often I have this fear that somehow if I do something and I hurt myself, like I am not going to get the help that I need because people are going to judge me. And then I will say, um, so last year I hiked to the Wonderland Trail, which circumnavigates Mount Rainier. You know, I did hurt myself. I, um, my pack was too heavy. I was carrying my entire like 11 day um, food supply with me. So the pack was a little heavier than I anticipated it was going to be. And um, I think I, I was probably also a little bit dehydrated. So one morning as I was like heading out, it was, I think, you know, day four or five of this 11 day trip. I was coming out of my camp area, which was up this like very steep incline. And I was coming down that incline and just kind of stepped the wrong way and turned my ankle a little bit. So I sat down for a couple of minutes. Um, the pain went away and then I was on my way and, you know, climbed up to the highest point on the trail that day, which was about like, you know, I think like a one and a half mile plus climb. And I was actually feeling really great. I was feeling really strong. And then I had to descend. And as soon as I started descending, I knew I had hurt my ankle more than just turning it because every step was excruciatingly painful. And I have to say, you know, like there were so many people who stopped, um, visitors to the park who stopped and, you know, like gave me some Advil and ace bandages. <laughs> and then, you know, there was um, one person who even said, you know, I'm going to the top now, but if you don't make it down, like on my way back, I will definitely help you. And then, you know, like I ran into a park ranger who was just so incredibly helpful. I remember, like, I kept saying, I can walk myself. I can walk myself. I don't need to be carried out of here. And then, you know, it was getting really dark, and it was starting to, you know, thunderstorm. And they kind of, you know, had to make the call to carry me out. And, like, you know, the ranger kind of sat me down and said, you know, look, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You have been incredibly strong right now. We're here to help you, and this is going to help you to carry carry you out. And that's what they did. And I think it took that experience for me to kind of like, and for that ranger to explicitly say that to me, for me to feel comfortable because otherwise I was just carrying this burden in my head, right? Like, oh, they're just going to think that I was too stupid when 
Um, no one really thought that. Everybody was just, you know, pretty impressed with me that I had been willing to kind of like, you know, do as much as I could. So feeling like all these people are going to judge me, but in reality, my experience was not that at all. Um, and even to this day, I feel like I owe an amazing amount of gratitude to the park rangers who helped me. I'm glad you stumbled on a ranger. <laughs> That's why we're there. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is what they kept saying, right? Like, we are here for this. We are here to help you. Uh, <laughs> we can sort of, you know, be inside of our heads so much that we're not sort of like, you know, experiencing the reality um, in the way that it is really happening, right? And I am just so grateful that he could sort of, like, identify that's the struggle that I was having and was able to kind of, like, you know, talk to me and say, look, like, you don't have to prove anything. Um, we're here to help you, <laughs> and you have done an incredible amount already. So, uh, and I think it's something that I, you know, constantly sort of, you know, think about, too, like, as I am doing other trips, too, right? It's just, like, I don't have to prove myself um, to be out here. I belong in this space just as much as other people. Yes, I'm glad you said that. You belong in this space just like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I feel like it, it's not something that I maybe explicitly said in terms of barriers, but I think that's also part of it, right? Like, you, like, I think, you know, the outdoor narrative has been this, you know, idea of, like, you know, rugged, strong, sort of, like, you know, men, um, just, like, you know, conquering nature, right? And really, like, it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like, and you can define what your outdoor space is and how you're going to interact with that space um, and how you recreate in the outdoors. And, and, you know, that space belongs to you and you have the right to recreate in the way that you want to, right, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, like you, you can take, you know, as long as you want when you're, you know, hiking up a mountain. It's, you know, like how you define yourself with the outdoors, uh, you know, it, it I think it has to come from a place of you believing that you belong there. So going down that, that same road, um, what makes you feel more welcome in outdoor spaces or, or, or what do you think the park service could do to make more people welcome? You can kind of pick whichever question there you want to answer. Yeah. I mean, I can probably answer both. Um, I, you know, like, I feel really comfortable when I see people who look like me around me, right? I think that's kind of a, a very human, I think, instinct. So I, I hiked the, I did the rim-to-rim hike um, at the Grand Canyon, and I hiked it with my sister. You know, my sister is not the adventurous type, and uh, this was actually her first backpacking trip, um, and she came with me <laughs> out of the kindness of our heart. I could see how she transformed during the hike as she saw more people who looked like her and she had the ability to interact with them. So we were, you know, camped at the Phantom Ranch area and as we were sort of like hiking out of there, we met an Indian mother and daughter and, you know, I am of Indian descent 
And, you know, my sister really just kind of, like, bonded with these two and, in fact, like, started hiking with them. And I was, like, hiking by myself for a while. But I think just the, just that interaction made her feel more confident and I think made her feel more that she belonged in that space, too. So I think, you know, that's an obvious one for me. And in terms of, you know, what can the Park Service do, I think... um, you know, I, I think we really have to think about how we can make our national parks more accessible to a diverse group of people, right? So it's not just, you know, you get your backcountry permit and then you kind of like, you know, go off exploring by yourself because, you know, that, that might not be the first thing that somebody who's never experienced um, a national park wants to do, Right. I was listening to Lonnie Bunch, who's the secretary of the Smithsonian Museum, a few days ago, and one of the things that he talked about was, you know, how to make museums more accessible, and one of the things that he actually started doing when he was trying to make the African American Museum, like, you know, like, um, build it, and how to make it a reality, he started, you know, started putting all these artifacts and making them virtually accessible, right? So it was it was really a virtual museum before it was actually a real museum. That has actually, like, stuck in my head because I think, you know, a lot of times when people are not familiar with a certain place or a certain kind of environment, I think if they can experience it virtually, then I think they become more comfortable, right? They can see themselves because they're experiencing it. Um, And even for me, like, you know, the Appalachian Trail as a concept didn't really mean anything until I I, I saw a movie about it, about, you know, thru-hikers hiking, and then it became a reality where I could picture it and I could picture myself there. So I think, you know, when we're talking about accessibility, um, it's really offering more virtual programming so that people really feel a connection, feel welcome, and they can experience it before they are actually physically there. And then I would also say, you know, having a diverse group of rangers as well, because I think that's also, you know, a sense of comfort, particularly if you're coming from a place that's probably not very diverse. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, you see, you want to see yourself reflected in the people visiting, and you want to see yourself reflected in the people taking care of the park, running the park, enforcing the laws, um, and making yeah. those decisions. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, so th- that's all the questions I have. Actually, um, there's one more thing we want to ask you, though. Um, since we're still we're still recording, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that that I didn't bring up? Um, so, you know, what else, what else do you want to talk about? Oh man, I really think that outdoors is this amazing, wonderful space that has really, really helped transform who I am. You know, like I, um, I I don't think I mentioned this during our pre-interview, but I have a bunch of health issues. I'm diabetic and I also, you know, struggle with anxiety and both of those things I've been able to manage by having this amazing relationship with the outdoors, uh, being able to get outside and just, you know, like having the time and space to just 
like, you know, not focus on anything else, right? It is such an amazing privilege just to be like, I only have to worry about putting one foot in front of the other. I only have to worry today about making it to the place where I'm going to sleep. There's this amazing freedom in that. And I want as many people as possible to experience that. I think it was like the main purpose of this blog that I created and all of that I do with Hiking Misadventures is really to kind of emphasize the fact that you don't have to be an expert and your relationship with the outdoors can be anything, right? It doesn't have to be that you go, you know, do a, you know, hike like the Appalachian Trail. You know, like I, I, I live in D.C. and there's lots of National Park Service stuff all around us, you know, like there's the uh, Rocky Park, which is just right, like, you know, in the middle of D.C., which is an amazing park, and um, you don't have to go that far to explore it. Um, and I think those are all outdoors. And, you know, like, I, I will I will end this by saying, you know, I, I describe myself as this transformation of somebody who was not outdoors to becoming an outdoors person. But I think, you know, that that narrative in and of itself, I think, comes from this notion that there's only one way to experience the outdoors. You know, my mom, she taught herself how to swim in the Indian Ocean. Um, she explored woods around her, and it was actually kind of like, you know, a safe place for her when, in you know, she grew up in Sri Lanka, um, where civil unrest could kind of, you know, spark up any time. And that was kind of like, you know, the place that was a safe haven for her from that. So there's this long history of the outdoors in my family that we have never really talked about as an outdoor, that we are an outdoor family. As I've become more, you know, interested in hiking and um, taken on more outdoor adventures, I am discovering that even my own outdoor narrative is really much more complicated than it is and that we all do have a connection to the outdoors, um, whether it's, you know, gardening or, you know, you're, you know, climbing up to Mount Rainier. There, there's, a, there's a connection there. There's a strong history there, and there's a story there, and you just have to, like, you know, like tap into that to be able to experience all the wonderful things that the outdoors has to give. Behind the Scenery is brought to you by the Interpretation Team at Grand Canyon National Park. A huge thanks to Nalini for sharing her experiences with us. Check out her work at hikingmisadventures.com. We gratefully acknowledge the Native people on whose ancestral homelands we gather, as well as the diverse and vibrant Native communities who make their home here today. Yeah, we're, I'm in another ranger's office, and I have an iPad that's recording this as a backup in my oh. office. <laughs> if you could only see our little <laughs> bailing wire and bubblegum operation over here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got to start from something, right?